Hi everybody, I'm Seth Busby, editor of Flying Solo. Welcome to our weekly podcast where we step inside the minds and lives of soloists and small business owners. Today's guest is Kamal Sama, founder of Resilium, a startup focused on equipping teams and individuals with the right mindset to ensure success. Kamal has recently joined forces with Luke Cook from Cupper of Life, and he'll be sharing with us his experiences around mindfulness and connection as part of Mental Health Month. Kamal spent several years as a monk, so he knows a thing or two about the techniques required to strengthen our resilience and quiet our mind. I'd like to welcome him today and get into the nitty-gritty of why mental hygiene is so important. So Kamal, how did this journey start? You know, I was a monk, then so I... Uh... <laughs> So people ask me, what are my qualifications around uh, the mind? Well, well, we spent seven years meditating uh, (laughs) in the middle of the desert, but anyway. um, So I run a company called Resilium. We do a lot of work in large corporates. Yes. Uh, We do, you know, like Westpac, CBA, Google, Facebook, that kind of stuff. Um, I've been doing some stuff with Loop because of... Uh, you know, we don't do that much work with small to medium-sized enterprises, but we have a lot of demand for it. We're just not kind of set up to do stuff like that mm. um, because, you know, by the time you get there and do the proposal and all that kind of stuff, like, you know, Westpac does like 400 cohorts. Yeah. <laughs> They're large things. Um, so uh, I also am the chair of REOK's think tank, so we do a lot of work uh, in that space. My um, area there is making sure that... <laughs> Okay, I'm going to try and sound cool, okay? Just bear with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I try and get all the I get all the research and make it straight. So there you go. So that's me trying to be cool. Show <laughs> 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 me if it works, okay? Yeah. Um, and <laughs> um, so <Edit>. I, <laughs> uh, my kids think I'm a dork, but anyway, <laughs> that's not the story. Um, so yeah, uh, I think we've been talking, and we've had really good. Feedback, obviously, from the sessions I've been running with um, Couple Life. Mm. My area of focus is around mental hygiene mm. and mental uh, resilience. So I've written a book called Mental Resilience. Um, and, yeah, that's that's. so I, I focus a lot on kids yeah. uh, in my charity work. And in my commercial work, I fo- focus a lot on mental exhaustion, mental resilience, mm. and mental hygiene. So those are the three main areas. And I think... Uh, the, really, the conversation, I think, has to change. And I think it will change totally around mental health and mental hygiene mm. because I think what organisations are going to find is that's a very scary space to play in. Well, it's. I think it's very scary for so many people at the moment. Mental health, mm. um, I, I think everybody's mental health is um, not at its optimum, <laughs> to yes, put it yeah, mildly. Yeah, and particularly yeah. uh, in small business who are our audience, like, so many of those small business owners have just been doing it so tough for the last 18 months. Yeah. It's so a really tough gig. I guess I would ask what would your um, your best advice for someone who is, is being challenged with um, mental health issues at the moment because of the current climate, what would you, you advise them to do to help them get out of that headspace sure, and feel more sure. positive? So I'm going to create a spectrum um, across, like there's at one end of the spectrum, there's what I'd call a mental disorder. 
um, and that needs to be seen by a, uh, a clinician. Uh, then there's what I call mental dysfunction. So moving back from that is mental dysfunction, which is, you know, um, it's like, you know, you've, you know, you're walking along, but you sprain your leg and guess what you are <laughs> at that point in time, your leg is not functioning well. Yeah. So, you know, there, there are processes the, what I would say to small, you know, to, to people kind of doing it is you have to, the only thing we can do right now is look after our mental health, mm-hmm. sorry, our mental hygiene. Like how do you stay hygiene? How do you have, like we've talked a lot about mental, like hand hygiene, mm-hmm. but I think we need to talk about more mental hygiene. What does that look like? What does that sound like? What does that feel like? Um, I think what it means for me is, uh, <laughs> And running my own business myself is number one is perspective. Like how do you how do you build perspective? Um, and, and it's really weird. Sometimes you got to switch off the news and you just got to focus on what's ahead of you. Mm. Uh, number two is learn how to shut off, just shut down. Um, so you know, I'm biased. So this is not unbiased advice. Just <laughs> <laughs> um, to be a monk, I meditate. I've written a book on meditation, um, but also other things, just learning how to switch off and get away from um, the noise that's that's there because that noise can really um, affect you. Mm. You know, like they say, how much um, everyone's connected now because of technology and mm-hmm. all of the social platforms, but I would argue that people are far less connected than ever. Yes, 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 yeah. Very interconnected but disconnected. Yeah. So yeah. what would would you would part of your suggestions being disconnecting from social media as well? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's funny. Um <laughs> you know once upon a time you used to compare yourself with the people near you? <laughs> now it's the Kumaras and the, it's the um you know, the chins and the um and the um you know, all the different, we now compare ourselves with people all around the world. Um, So I think that sense of, um, well, you know, obviously that's good and bad, but I think what what there is is that that has this um, tendency to increase what I call stasis anxiety. Oh, wow, their life is so fantastic. Why is mine not? Um, mm. You know, look at their food. I'm having sardines again. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> because they can't be bothered to eat. Or I'm opening up a can of tuna. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I think most definitely I would say, um, but I think it's got to be, so, you know, I, I talk a lot about uh, a lot of people numb the mind versus rest the mind. Yeah. And so we've got to get much better at resting our minds. Like switching um, the TV on or like. Yeah, totally. Switch the TV off. Um and even like exercise is great, but it doesn't actually rest the mind because you can be running or you can be, you know, in the gym, but you're processing all that stuff. Mm. So having moments where you can create that space uh, to literally not think mm. is, is, I think, one of the most powerful tools you can have. And that comes back to your favourite meditation. <laughs> yes. uh, meditation, mindfulness and contemplation. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, uh, when you get out of your head uh, and into what I'd call the zone, um, and, you know, that's got, you know, obviously, um, uh, um, you know, the psychological benefits, but we actually know it's got brain function benefits. There's a very different wave pattern that happens in your brain. And those wave patterns actually start to heal. And <laughs> you know what's funny? It gets rid of brain plaque. There's a thing in our brains called brain plaque. Hmm. And when we think too much, we, we 
get along to the brain plaque. Now, sleep is great. <laughs> it stops you from getting brain plaque. Yeah. But contemplative exercises, um, tell me if I'm getting too technical. There's a thing in your brain called myelin. You yeah, of myelin? surrounds yeah. the brain, yeah. So, so, yeah, it surrounds the um, uh, the neuroreceptors. Yeah. And what happens is when you think too much and you get agitated, that myelin decreases. When you become more contemplative, that myelin increases. Mm. And focus, yeah. I didn't realise that was the case. Mm. It's a great book uh, by, if you're interested in this, by Cal Newport called Deep Work. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of that book. I didn't realise the myelin um, association, though. That's very interesting. Um, So practical things, apart from meditating and trying to be more contemplative and mindful, what about diet? Is that important as well? Diet's good, but I kind of feel like everybody knows it. Eat more greens. (laughs) <laughs> like you know it's 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 almost like cliched yeah. i think that you know if you don't know that you should be eating more vegetables right now like where have you been in the last 10 years <laughs> eat more vegetables and stay off the fried food and the chips yeah. um you know uh but what i think what i think is people know that what we need to be what we need to understand get more insight into is our emotional roller coaster mm-hmm. so you know my kryptonite is salt and vinegar chips Really? I will eat really, yeah, yeah, totally, <laughs> totally, totally. Kryptonite for me. Oh my gosh! And I, t- I can tell you exactly what time. Nine p.m. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I'm in a poor emotional state, yeah. Bang! I've opened the chips. I've had one, and I go, oh, I finished the whole packet. <laughs> <laughs> You just have to buy those snack packs. <laughs> yeah, it's very funny because they then go through all the snack packs. <laughs> I've tried hiding them. I've tried hiding them. You know, it's, yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> so what are some mindfulness tips that we can that you can give the audience that they can um, cultivate more mindfulness daily? Okay, so here's, here's my first thing is um, – what, what, what I recommend is, uh, I'm going to call it um, three, two, one. Yep. And I think this is uh, three hours before you go to bed, don't eat anything. Mm. Yep. Two hours before you go to bed, make sure that you're not, um, you know, you're not um, watching screens and stuff like that. And one hour before you go to bed, make sure that you don't, um, you know, you, you're not, um, you, you're not, you're not reading like the newspaper or stuff like that. Make sure you just start to unwind, get ready for bed. The same way you get ready to exercise, you go and stretch and stuff like that. Mm. The same way you need to practice what I call these sleep hygiene habits. Mm. And can I ask what led you from being a monk to decide to join the corporate world? <laughs> I don't know if you're going to write this, but please don't. Uh, it's two things. Number one is the food. Yeah. Uh, it's crap when you're a monk. <laughs> <laughs> and number two is celibacy. Um, so <laughs> not in that order, but um, yeah. Really? So yeah, since... I was a 19-year-old kid. I was 19 years old. Like, what? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so uh, it, what what yeah. led you there in the first place? Uh, very interesting question. Um, I wasn't. I, I was led there. Uh, my parents made made up their minds that I should become a monk. Truly. Truly. Wow. That uh, yeah. that seemed. I would not have expected um, 
nowadays for that to still happen? Yeah, it's a funny thing, right? Like, um, you know, like they came from India, yeah, and then they they saw me playing too much rugby and chasing too many girls, and I thought, yeah, maybe we should set this kid right. So, yeah, <laughs> they decided to they decided to send me back to back to India to become a monk. Wow, what do you hmm. think was the most amazing part of your journey during that time? Oh, oh, okay. Uh, so I thought you were going to ask a different question. Um, two things. I met my uh, yoga and my meditation teacher when I was there. Yeah. Uh, outside the ashram, like outside, he was a he was a yogi, and I kind of got to meet him in a, and got to be with him in a, um, and spend a lot of time with him. Yeah. And that was just exceptional. Um, and the question I thought you were going to ask is, which I get asked a lot, what, what did you learn? What have you taken away from it? Um, and I think the main thing, I'll, I'll answer that for you, even though you haven't asked it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> um, is, um, I think what monastic life te- teaches you at a very early age is how to be happy with very little. Yeah. You know, like I didn't have a bed for seven years. You know, I pretty much ate the same food day in and day out. And, you know, if my kids said, what, we're having pizza again tonight? Like, we had that last night. Hmm. Oh, well, obviously, we wouldn't, but, um, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's um, or like, are we having dal and rice again? Yes, millions of Indians eat that every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that sense of, um, that sense of gratitude is hmm. is something that stays with you because you don't, you don't have much. You mm. don't, and you, funny enough, you don't expect much as well, which is a really weird. I think um, you've hit the nail on the head about the gratitude thing. I think if people, if we could just all be more grateful for what we have, yeah. I think we would yeah. all be better off. You know, it's so many people just don't take a moment to appreciate. Yeah, what's I totally, happening right now? Do you know? Like, totally. It's always about the next thing or yeah. whatever. So is it, is it about being in the moment as well? Is that part of what you're teaching? It is, it is. Um, but, um, you know, being in the moment is like somebody said, oh, you know, me, you know, I'm always in the moment. And I go, or I went to a yoga retreat for three days and now I'm in the moment. You know, I've met monks and nuns who have been, you know, practicing on living in the present moment for the last you know, 30, 40 years and they still struggle with it. Mm. So it, it is, it is, it is a, my, it is a discipline that is, um, that we need to cultivate. Mm. Uh, but I think, you know, you ask me, what can you be grateful for? Like I've got a lot of family in India mm. and almost every day we would hear stories of people, um, not doing well, people passing away. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, what that has made me so appreciative to be living in Australia. Um, uh, you know, obviously there are sometimes you go, why am I running my own business again? This is bloody hard work. Mm. Um, but to know that you're in a country where, you know, we had, we had job keeper, we had job saver, we had, you know, we have, um, we have all these amenities around us. It's been really tough for lots of people, but we, we live in an, an amazing society. We have access to healthcare. Yeah. Everyone should have access to healthcare, in my opinion, though, universal healthcare. It's it's a human right, isn't it, really? Uh, I totally agree with you. Unfortunately, um, the Americans don't think like that. 
Mm. <laughs> a lot of other countries actually. Yeah, yeah it is. It is very tough. Um, I, I heard. Is this helping at all? I don't know. Yes. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what can people expect from your session, your Cuppa of Life session that you're doing in October? Um. Well, three things. One thing is, um, hopefully... you like three things, don't you? <laughs> How did you know that? <laughs> um, well, well, you know, the the, the things I like um, is to talk about mindset. Yeah. Is to give people a bit of an insight into their mindset at the moment. Yeah. Then uh, um, some tool sets, some tools. Mm-hmm. But really, hopefully, um, uh, um, the the appetite to create more skills in this area. So. Um... Moving forward, they come away with something, but moving forward, they continue to practice yes, and yeah, to also yeah. look for new, new opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it's 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 like going to the gym. Um, you say, "Well, here's the gym. Thank you very much. I didn't know there was there." But yeah. then you actually have to go learn how to use the tools. You have to learn the, and then lastly, you have to actually use the stuff, and that's when you create skills. Hmm. Thank you, Kamal. My absolute pleasure. <laughs>